0: You know, there's a lot of questions when you scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and keep scrolling, and there's still questions.
1: Well, it's that time again, folks. It is this week's Yahwa time, and we are here again to answer your questions. Uh, we're going to get today started off right with a big question about aggression. Brandon Dalton ever have aggression issues i have a 12 month old male gsp that has um, that is aggressive towards strangers male female even kids we're trying to do something positive when strangers come like play fetch which he loves to do after 20 minutes of fetch next to a stranger if we stop and they stick out their hand and barks and charges them okay any other ideas well first of all i want to say that Most aggression issues are not going to be able to be fixed based on this and through this kind of communication, but I can tell you um, a huge, 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 huge majority of aggressive-ish tendencies and what you're talking about here, um, they are not aggressive based as much as they are fear based. Now, it's still fear aggression, but it's probably more due to an apprehension of new people, new things. Um, the biggest thing that we would want to do is for you to reach out with to us with some more information on this. Um, but again, even just based on the few things that you're saying here, this sounds more fear-based or apprehension-based, not um, you know protective or aggressive-based. So, uh, reach out to us and we will try and help.
0: And just one thing that I'm gonna throw out there. That's why we stress socialization so much is because it prepares these dogs for new environments, new people, new things. Um, And when they're socialized well, especially starting as a puppy, that's gonna allow them to adapt to new situations and not be startled or unsure or fearful of those situations. And it can definitely help get you off on the right foot. But it definitely sounds like at this point, um, once you're 12 month old, that we may be past the initial fix this with socialization and we need to get more information at this point.
1: May need to even go as far as seeing a behavioralist or a specialist with, would deal with these specific things. Facebook question.
0: Thanks for asking. Next question from Facebook. You see we're switching it up a little bit. We've been starting a lot of the... Yahwaz with Instagram questions. Now we're like giving the love to some Facebook people first. So Jeff Justice, I have a four month old male GSP. He's very smart and doing well with basic commands. He's been in our home for two months now and he is struggling with house training. We are very consistent and take him out regularly, but he still pees in the house. Any suggestions? Um, again, not a cop out, but definitely going to need a little more information um, yeah. because First of all, he's four months old. He's still a puppy, so give him a little bit of slack. But there's a lot of things that could be involved from being too distracted when he's outside to fully empty his bladder. Um, sometimes puppies go out and they pee, and then they're done peeing, and then they're like, "Okay, let's go inside." And you need to say, "Wait, wait, wait. I think you need to try one more time to empty your bladder and get him to pee again." And then they're like, "Oh," and then they fully empty their bladder, it and then all the time. it happens all the time. Um, and then they can come back in. And that's not always indicative of a UTI or anything like that. It's just in- indicative of a puppy with um, puppy, puppy brain. brain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, squirrel. Um, so give them more time. Um, help them to be less distracted when they're outside going to the bathroom. But also keep in mind, if you let your puppy outside to run around in the backyard to go potty, and then 20 minutes later you go get them and bring them inside, who knows when the last time was they potted? They may have potted right when they went outside, but then for the next 20 minutes didn't. Then they come inside, and puppies are on kind of like that 30-minute need-to-pee schedule when they're out and running around, um, and then they're going to pee on the floor in the house because it's, you know, time for that. Yeah. Um,
1: Aside from just uh, let outs and schedule alone, you can run into other things like amount of water intake and when they're actually drinking water. And then um, lastly, she mentioned, I didn't see it in here. There there could be the potential of a UTI or bladder infection or something, and that's what's causing the struggle. But again,
0: we need a little more information.
1: Put it down below. Next question.
0: And I think this is really funny. It's from Instagram now. And the person had to say, "Cat, it's not UN guided fly. It's unguided fly. I'm a fly fisherman who doesn't like being guided. I get it now. Sorry. Like we say, we but- we butcher hashtags all the time, especially when we're reading through them quick. It's just like, what do they mean by this? But okay, question. With puppies, how many training sessions do you do per day? Videos seem to be two, one at the morning feeding and one at the evening feeding. And do you do the sessions every day? How else do you break up their day? Percent of time in the crate, percent of time unstructured play, etc. Got an 11 week old who's tracking great with our videos. Glad you're liking the videos. House broke, kennel, crate, and bed, sit, recall to click and treat. They play fetch three to four reps every few days, walks in field, the neighborhood daily. That's about it. Is that too little, too much for now? Um, and then they said, based on Fox Brig, that because I plan um, to enter the caller at about 14 weeks, which it looks like is in about three weeks from now. Any other advice? Well, I have to say, um, it sounds like you are right on track with everything yeah. that you're doing. You're doing a Really good job. Um, Every puppy is different, and if you watch some of our series, you'll see that and how we have to interact with those puppies and how we have to manage those training sessions. Some of our puppies um, were a little less food motivated, so we had to make sure that their meals were their training sessions. We couldn't do midday training sessions if they'd already gotten a meal. So, percent of time training and when to train and things like that really is a little bit more dependent on your specific puppy, but if you're Doing two sessions a day, one in the morning, one in the evening, and that's working great. Um, continue that. You know, we always say, if it's not broke, don't fix it. You're doing everything right, you're making progress. Um, I would say you're doing a great job. But typically, with our puppies, our daily routine, and we don't like to use the word schedule necessarily, is because I don't want it to be a schedule that at 6 a.m. puppy goes out, at 6.30 puppy gets fed, at 6.45 they go out to go potty Um, because life happens and things can't always be exactly on a schedule. So it's, hey, puppy has the expectation that they go out first thing in the morning after they come out of their crate go potty, come inside, get a little bit of playtime. Then typically for us, we don't like to feed first thing in the morning because puppies anticipate that. So then they start going, oh, I'm going to wake up a little earlier so I can get breakfast sooner. And I'm going to wake up a little earlier. And then you're at 2 a.m. and they're like, breakfast? So (laughs) we try and wait to do their feeding until we've been up and about for quite a while. They've been back in their crate. They come out. We do a training session with food. Then it's um, back outside, and then it's quite a bit of crate time for the rest of the mid-morning because we're working. Um, Whether we're training dogs, shooting videos like this, um, traveling, hunting, replying to emails, all that stuff, we can't have the distraction of a puppy, and setting yourself up and your puppy for success is important. If you can't watch them, you don't know when they're chewing stuff up or peeing and pooping on the floor, Um, so we use crate time for those times where we can't be distracted by a puppy. Then another time, anytime they come out of their crate, it's back outside to go to the bathroom first, then inside playtime. And I would say at young puppy ages, there's more of that unstructured play percentage-wise than structured training sessions because they have... Very little focus um, and attention at that point. Um, But we also make sure that that unstructured play isn't escalating into craziness in the house. Um, They're not chewing up things they're not supposed to be chewing up. They're not wrestling with the other dogs. So though it's unstructured, it still is monitored and we have expectations that it doesn't get carried away. Um, and then we do like free runs and things like that, which aren't necessarily structured formal training sessions. But that's also important um, for physical exercise for the puppies
1: and teaches them how to hunt.
0: Yep. And then we do some relaxing in the evening where we sit on the couch, watch some TV if we have time and puppy gets to chill on the couch with us. But that's pretty much their day. I can't really break it down into actual percentages. Um because the, it depends on every puppy, too.
1: Those evening sessions end up being more of a you-will-love-me kind of <laughs> yeah. thing. And just we'll hold them TV. there
0: till they fall asleep. You know. Yeah, because they like, like to s- wiggle around and um, be energetic little puppies. So, great question. So, Unguided Fly, question two... A GSP breeder trainer friend told me to do no training at all till I take her to him at four or five months, saying most important thing is drive and too much puppy training wears them out. That makes some sense, but as mentioned above, I'm following your puppy program with great success. Trainer told me to bang pots around her head as she eats her meals, her jackpot after her sessions to help her have drive and not be afraid of noise. What do you think? So, first of all, I don't want to say that your trainer friend's wrong or your um, breeder friend is wrong um, because we as breeders are breeding our puppies to be um, have certain personality traits and temperaments and things like that. So, there are definitely differences in different lines and some puppies are slower to mature and they may not need more formal training until they're older, um, but starting clicker training with your puppy at, you know, the day after you get them home is perfectly okay. Um, and it's a good thing to start building that motivation to work for treats and work for food. Now you can overdo it. And some puppies, you have to watch that if they're getting bored with sessions, maybe not doing two sessions a day, just doing one session with one of their meals. And then they just get to eat their next meal. Um, it just has to be depend on what your puppy is showing you they're getting out of those sessions. Um, but we definitely start clicker training right away. Um, we, like you said in our videos, we start doing some of those birding gun intros and things like that earlier than four or five months old um, with our personal puppies. So it's personal preference on what you wanna do if you feel comfortable doing some of those things yourself, I definitely would. Um, the banging pots thing with your puppy eating, That's not something we ever do with our dogs. Um, We also don't really struggle with having dogs be gun-shy. I do gunfire introductions, and that's during bird introductions, typically. Um, Gun
1: sensitivity issues are directly related to an under-socialized dog, so it doesn't really have anything to do with noise. It has more to do with not being comfortable with change or differences or things like that. And that a well-socialized dog isn't going to have issues with any of it. so.
0: And on the other hand, poorly timing those bangings of pots right over your puppy's head could have could the opposite problems. effect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the other side of it to keep in mind is we get dogs in for training all the time that have had basically no training done But those puppies typically come in at a minimum of six months old and they may not have had anything done. So when your breeder friend says, you know, four to five months before um, you start anything or before they come to them is not abnormal either. And if there are a lot of people out there that don't necessarily know what they're doing or aren't following along with a video series and they make mistakes. Um, I know at that point I would rather be one of those people that say, why don't you just not do anything until we get your puppy to work with it so you don't make a mistake um, if you're not you know, reaching out for professional help and things like that. Because I'd rather have you either follow along with a structured series like on our YouTube channel than go shooting clays over your puppy and cause sensitivity issues that then at six months old when they come in for training we have to fix.
1: Okay. <laughs> on to the next question. Andy underscore camp. About running in cold weather, when is it too cold for my lungs? I'm assuming this Instagram page belongs to a dog because I'm not good with human stuff. Um, but as far as too cold, how cold is too cold, I don't think you're going to run into an issue unless it's a big shock situation. For example, going from 75 degrees to negative something degrees, it's going to be a pretty big shock. But ultimately... Um, the outside temperature in their body themselves is going to be what's more important. So it gets really cold, throw neoprene breasts, And I'm talking sub freezing. Um, other than that, any dog that's conditioned should be fine. Next question from Nick Heberner: what are your must haves in your truck, med kit, anything else you keep in your vest while hunting? Great question. Um, We've actually done a couple videos about packing and things like that. So, definitely be looking around for the packing videos. But um, in the truck, we have water. We have our med kit. um, I carry food for travel. But when we're actually hunting itself, what does it say? What is the must-haves in a truck med kit? Okay.
0: (laughs) I was just like, duh, the med kit. But he wants to know what's in the med kit that are must have the med
1: kits in the med kit a a big thing that gets overlooked is uh, fluids super important stapler very important the stapler is either going to fix your problem or it's going to help you get someplace where it can get fixed Um, some disinfectants lap pads gauze pads bandages um, are good as far as in my vest i don't carry anything we're rarely far enough away and maybe i should i've never run into a situation where it's slapped me in the face and said hey you should be carrying something um we're usually close enough to the truck that i can get the dog back in a reasonable amount of time if you're a long ways away throwing a couple things in would be Maybe a stapler is about the only thing you're going to really, and some hemostats might be the two things that I would carry.
0: Yeah, and depending on where you're hunting, I know that people hunt a lot of times around um, where trapping happens. So having some form of tool to help remove your and dog from snares and things like
1: that. Giant zip ties are a really good thing. We don't actually ever hunt on public ground, so I never have had to worry. We don't hunt on very much public ground, so I haven't had to worry about trapping very often, but um, yeah. Giant zip ties. We're talking like 18-inch big heavy-duty zip ties are the way to get them out of conibers. Traps, zip ties can be helpful. Um, but those would be the big ones. Hemostat, stapler is gonna help get you back to the truck in most situations.
0: Yeah, and I was gonna just say something that gets also maybe missed is enough packing material. Um for like gauze pads because if your dog has a serious laceration or uh, impalement Lots of. Um, you're going to want to pack especially if they get stuck on a stick or something don't pull that stick out um, you're going to want to wrap and pack around it so that stick isn't moving around um, and that you can put pressure on that wound so that you can get somewhere because those are things that you're not going to fix in the field and having that you don't know packing
1: stick's stuck in
0: yeah and having that packing and wrapping and stuff is going to Hopefully, give you the time to get somewhere that that can be taken care of. So, from gmort underscore 22 on Instagram, I'll be getting a puppy soon, and I am concerned about our chickens becoming a problem. Look at all those chickens. Well, training and outside time, the chickens are pinned most of the time. Suggestions. So, one thing to keep in mind is you are getting a bird dog. Therefore, they have bird dog instincts, which is prey driven, those chickens are gonna typically in instigate that instinct to come out.
1: Will it be a distraction? Yes. Can they overcome it? Yes. yes.
0: Keeping them pinned up is a good idea, especially when your puppy's out, so that they're not chasing the chickens, because that is what they will do, because the fun thing is, when the puppy chases the chickens, they run away. Same with, like, people that have cats, you know, if the cat would just hang out there when the puppy's introduced to them and not run, that wouldn't push that prey drive into overdrive where they want to chase it then so your chickens don't know to just stay there and let the puppy sniff them and then get over it they're gonna run away and that's gonna make the game even more exciting Um, and then I would say as your puppy goes through training and gets more mature and understands what important birds are like game birds um, and pointing and how hunting goes and happens that the chickens are going to become less interesting especially when they never get a chance to catch and kill one or interact with them that way
1: yeah as long as you don't put emphasis on it they will desensitize to the yeah, fact yeah don't that the
0: go wowing are- them on your chickens or anything like that even though uh, it might be cute that they're doing it right away when they're a puppy just kind of ignore it or if they're just like zoned in stuck on it redirect their away. focus yep, yep
1: redirect focus Chickens are not important, and if you teach them that, they will understand. Next question here, we've got 09RO underscore za twelve on Instagram says, Have you ever had to train a dog that seems unmotivated by food? Absolutely. Um, a big thing that we try and do is teach dogs to be motivated by food, which can often start as a puppy. A lot of dogs that we've seen, not saying this is the case with yours, but most of the dogs that we see they are unmotivated by food um, are overweight or...
0: little fluffy. 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 It's a nice way to say fat.
1: Okay. A little fluffy. And uh, on top of that, have been allowed the opportunity to either A, free feed, or be something. Again, having it available all the time makes it less exciting, which is why we try and teach those eating habits by... Utilizing meals for training sessions when they're itty bitty puppies,
0: and picking up the food and taking it away if when they're just they picking focus. at it and not yeah. and being too distracted to eat.
1: We have so, had one or two dogs that are in good shape and have these just don't have desire for food, and you just have to find something that they are are driven to work for. That could be praise, it could be retrieves, it could be. Any number of things,
0: and it could be a special treat that they only get during training sessions instead of just trying to use their meal kibble for it. But
1: we utilize train me treats. Um, there's a couple other companies that have stuff, but those are what we've spent. They've got like bacon flavored. Dogs seem to like those. That don't, and they're uh, really
0: small, so the dogs can move yes. through the training still quickly and not lose momentum in that session. So. Yeah. But I would say because we always have so many questions, so many great questions, and I will take um, some responsibility that I took up a lot of time with a couple of those questions. We're probably going to have to break now and come back for part two tomorrow with you guys. But um, thanks for asking all these great questions. We really appreciate it.
1: And we'll see you tomorrow. I was looking at
0: that. Um, yeah. And we're back! And we're back!
1: We're gonna kick this off with a question from Peter Cinema. Can you use the cue place instead of kennel? You can use whatever cues you want. We utilize kennel because dogs are place and situationally oriented. And it simplifies the amount of words that we have to cram into uh, everybody's brains when we're teaching them how to train dogs, as well as cram into the dog's brain. Kennel is 100% um, effective and efficient at teaching them to go someplace. So we try and keep things simple, keep it simple, stupid, and use the same word.
0: That's what my family always used to say, just kiss it.
1: Keep it simple. Uh Good question.
0: Next question. This is a good one. Um, I'm feeling we're coming into the spring, so there are a lot of puppy-based questions, which is great. Um, Springtime is puppy time. So, teleost underscore fishing. Sorry. Tell me how to say it next time, and I'll say it right. Um, I'm, (laughs) I'm getting a new poodle pointer pup in a few weeks and wanted to know what socialization activities you guys do with your pups. I'm concerned about taking him to NABDA training in day- days until he's had all of his puppy vaccinations at 16 weeks, good call. but others bring their puppies at 10 to 12 weeks old, That's thank you for the great videos. Socialization is very important, but timing of that socialization is also very important. We don't recommend taking puppies anywhere that dogs congregate um, until they are fully vaccinated at 16 weeks, which is dog parks, NABDA training days, aka events things like that because your puppy doesn't have a fully developed immune system yet and they are susceptible to things like parvo december um, that we definitely don't want our puppies getting but
1: so we like- um, we've seen it firsthand yes we've yep. seen it firsthand we had the dog that was
0: puppy had had 12 that 12 week vac- vaccination hadn't had their 16 week vaccination yet they were about 14 weeks old went to an akc hunt test parvo seven days later perfect you know
1: so to it
0: can happen
1: briefly explain that uh, why you're getting multiple rounds of vaccinations is because you're playing the guessing game of when mom's antibodies wear off that could happen in six weeks that could happen at 16 weeks we don't know so they vaccinate on a schedule so that when those maternal antibodies wear off you've got the vaccine there to take early
0: Properly over. vaccinated. Yep. so Because any of the vaccinations that happen prior to mom's antibodies wearing off, you're just vaccinating to vaccinate, but that vaccination's not doing anything at that point. So, Very little. So. Yes. So, but things to do that you can do with your puppy prior to them being 16 weeks old to continue socialization is anything new, and that's not just playing with kids. Um, going out, everyone always is like, well, they play with my kids. Well, that's good, but that's not all you need to be doing. Um, They also need to know new environments like going through the tall grass, especially for hunting dogs and being comfortable with that, up and down stairs, um, anything new basically that you are going to um, want them to be able to do as an adult, Um, maybe swimming if it's the right time of year for that, starting a water introduction with your puppy um, and then just some of the clicker training and basic puppy trainings that you can do. Absolutely. Okay, next question is Buzz GSP. I think I pronounced that
1: one right. I have a 10 month old GSP. I'm guessing his name is Buzz. And he loses focus very quickly. Maybe your name's Buzz. He knows what I'm asking of him, but would rather ignore me. I've tried short sessions, sessions with kibble, sessions with kibble on an e-collar, and to no avail. Do you guys, uh, what do you guys recommend to do? There's a couple things. If you are doing all of these things and it's not working, I'm going to say this as nicely as I can, you're probably doing something wrong. And the best way for us to help you with this is actually our online dog training community through Patreon. There's a link in the description. There's a link on our website. There's links all over the place. There may even be a link somewhere on the screen here. But if you sign up for that, it gives you the ability to actually video your training sessions You throw that up on YouTube and share the link. We can watch it and say, ah, here, this is the the one little thing that... This
0: is the hole in your training.
1: This is what you need to be fixing. And then we can respond back to you with, yes, do this, don't do that, and help guide you along your training path. They go hand-in-hand then uh, with the videos that we provide for free online, and that's going to be the best way that we can assist you through what is not going right with your 10-month-old. So thanks for asking Again, it's our dog training community on Patreon.
0: Next question from LW underscore 4H underscore Prez. I'm really excited to hear Ethan's answer to this one. If you had to choose any other breed to own, other than short hairs, obviously, what would it be? I like these personal ones because, I mean, we always talk about training and training and training and, and hunting. So it's kind of fun to get a little personal here. Because there's I, no right
1: answer. I 100% know that we're not going to have the same answer. But if I were to go... So there's a couple things that go into mind. I can give you the the long version of this because it's not an easy question. It's not.
0: You could make it easy and just like spit out a breed, but he's going to give us the long-winded version.
1: Okay. So I like pointing breeds in general. I wouldn't switch to a flushing breed as my secondary even though I do have a, a small soft spot in my heart for cockers. <laughs> I was just
0: gonna say English. I like
1: little cockers sometimes. I don't want a whole bunch of them. I like I wouldn't switch to that breed and maybe have one around. Okay? So then we go over to there are a lot of different pointing breeds that have a lot of old style, class no, style. I don't know
0: which one you're going with.
1: So you look at like
0: going a, with the English theme.
1: You're going with the English theme. Yeah, so you go like um, setters. There are a lot of really, really pretty English setters, uh, Gordon setters, Llewellyn setters. You name a setter, most of them have some really pretty to them. But at the same time, you take all that pretty and you wrap it up with hair. And hair is difficult to take care of. So cross those out. We're going to have to go something breed, and I'm going to have to jump on well-bred English pointers.
0: I do it? I know him so well. Bird
1: dogs. They are bird dogs. They're not the smartest bird dogs in the whole world, but damn it, they can stand on point and they can look good doing it.
0: Great answer. If I had to choose any other breed to own, what would it be? I can't choose between the two other breeds that I'd be interested in. I would be interested in Brock Francais or Bracco Italianos because... Um, we worked with a few of them. so cute. So, Brock Francais are stinking adorable. They are so cute. They remind me still a lot of short hairs. Um, they have a little bit different personality. It's not venturing out much.
1: They look almost identical. People, identical. They, people they,
0: mistake them a lot of times lot um, short. for short hairs, but we worked with a few of them. I love their personalities. Super sweet, cute, have some quirkinesses about them that I've worked with, um, but I really like them. And then the Brock Italianos, I also really like them. Um, They are
1: droopy. They're big and poundy,
0: but um, I got to watch my first one run at Anabda. That's Quigley. That's Uh, Quigley. Quigley. He is so beautiful. Say Um, hi.
1: If you get to watch this, Quigley, say hi in the comments below.
0: Yes, and he beautiful dog. um, Well put together, and when I saw his breed on the running order, I was like, oh great, this is going to be like watching paint dry. I have not heard any good things about Brocco. Italianos are going to be slow and ploddy, and, and nope, he was not. Um, he covered ground well, he had a great nose, um, he is a duck retrieving fool now. Uh, he is a very nice Brocco, but I've also got to see some more runs since then, and they always do a really nice job that I've seen. And You can't help but love their big droopy, squishy faces. So, I would say those would be my two other breeds. Yep. Got it. Good answer.
1: We have Wes underscore G3. What way do you find best to have pointing dogs run closer to you inside fifty yards, further outside of that, and hold point for longer? For context, we have two English pointers represent your next breed. One doesn't seem to stay very close too often, but the other does. So you got two pointers. One is close-ranging, one's further-ranging. You want to know our opinion on what to do. All of that, in my opinion, uh, depends on where you're hunting and what you're hunting. If we are running bigger country, I let the dogs run big. If we are running closer, tighter, thicker cover, keep the dogs a little closer. Pheasant hunting
0: up north, We usually keep dogs within 30 to 50 yards-esque.
1: If we are running pheasants around here, there's also quail involved in that, and I let the dogs... Or when you were out in Montana? Montana, we ran on sharp tails. I let them run as big as they wanted to, um, because I didn't want to walk over to the next three knolls to see if there were birds over there. I let nicks do that for me, and Vex do that for me. So um, a lot of range depends on... What you're hunting, where you're hunting, and then also how much you can trust your dog. Some dogs uh, don't deserve to run big and free and wild because they aren't going to hold point or do what they're supposed to. Um, When you get a dog that's honest and and trained well, I let Vex run wherever he wants because uh, he will literally stand there forever. Not forever. A long time. So, great question.
0: Next question. It's a puppy question from Crump's. One on Instagram, how many days after bringing home a new pup at eight weeks do you start charging the clicker? We start puppy training right away, so the first day you're bringing your puppy home, I'm probably not going to immediately start training. It's been a long day. We've been traveling. But the next day with their meal, I'm going to start trying to charge the clicker.
1: This is from M. Molson 13. What are your tips for someone getting their first puppy this May? Um, our tips are to go to our youtube channel click on the playlist section check out quest rogue fox sprigs playlists you've got four start to finish with different personalities and even the different breed in there of what we do all live-esque training sessions so you get to see the teaching of um, each and each individual step What order we did them in we list And we got better at this as we went along because everybody wants to know how old all the dogs are. But we got better at listing ages of the dogs in those sessions to give you a rough idea of what you should be following along. And then also signing up for Patreon so that we can help guide you along. with
0: that. Next question from On Point Motorsports. That one was a really easy one to say. What ear protection do you use? I don't like plugs because I can't hear the dog and others with me that well we use wild ear master series hearing protection it's an electronic hearing protection it takes little batteries that you put in hearing aids they're custom molded to fit your ear they've got volume controls up and down which are separate for each ear um, as and, well
1: as four levels for hearing loss i think so okay. you can help with that
0: so we like those because yes you can hear dogs moving through the cover you can hear birds flushing you can hear people talking but then anything over is it 80 decibels? 85 and 85 decibels. 82 and it now. drops down. Um he's just throwing numbers on there now. But it drops down so you can still hear that noise, but it's at much, like but it's at a much lower decibel level that's not gonna cause hearing damage.
1: And because they're custom fit, they feel comfortable and you can wear them literally all day. Yeah. Uh, when I guide, I take them out at lunch and then put them back in and I'll wear them. I mean six eight hours a day total. So it's uh, it's very comfortable. They're an absolutely fantastic product and a great company that stands behind them. They're available on our website.
0: Yep yep. Next question, Ashlyn underscore Nossaman. Any advice or tips on an insanely bad bird dog? Insanely bad. Insanely bad. Eating everything. Never slows down. Went through puppy training school. Didn't work. We have a sock uh, shock collar fence, but that doesn't phase her, and she still runs away. Goes crazy when she sees people and other dogs, jumps on you after you tell her down, eats food off the counter, she's a female about 14 months old, this dog mom is going crazy.
1: I want to see this dog.
0: And I also really think that you should change your Instagram name to Insanely Bad Bird Dog.
1: That would be a good tag.
0: Yep. However, um, it sounds like your dog needs some more training. I know that you said they've already been to a training school and it didn't work. I'm here to tell you that not all training programs are created equally. Um, I would say that we do a great job with obedience training um, and have had well, a lot of success. With the team. But we have a really good team yeah. yep, that the dog can learn to handle for multiple people. Um, but like I said, not all training programs are created equally, so finding a trainer that's going to be able to specialize and customize their program to help you with your goals will be important. Um, but also I kind of want to know what your dog does on a regular basis for mental stimulation, physical exercise, that sort of thing. Because typically when you have an insanely bad dog, it's because they're bored. Um, And that could be that they need to burn off more energy. I mean, these dogs are sporting breeds, high energy. They need to be able to have an outlet for that energy that's not destructive and naughty. And it sounds like right now your dog might not have that outlet. And so they're using everything else. As that outlet. And they're not doing it to be malicious. They're not doing it to piss you off and make mom go crazy. But they're trying to do something um, to entertain themselves because they're bored. So you can just find a way to incorporate physical and mental stimulation into their day. And that would go a long way to helping calm them down.
1: And to be fair, not all short hairs, or not all bird dogs or not all dogs in general have created equal. So you're gonna probably breathing has a lot to play with it, but you start you're probably starting with the higher end of the spectrum and then struggling a bit, which is making it even seem worse. I don't, I probably off the screen there. Um, But if you 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 know you can take that laid back dog and you can make them naughty, or you can take the really naughty dog and struggle to keep them from being naughty. So, and that just comes from dogs with different personalities. But good question. Carthus K9s is two years old. Too old to start training with a standard poodle?
0: Um, no, it's not too old. Two years old is not too old to start any training, let alone formal retrieving work. Um, a lot of people don't know that standard poodles were originally bred to be retrieving dogs, duck dogs. And they got a really great coat for it, typically. But um, two years old is not too old. Next question. question from Chelsea Murphy. When purchasing a puppy, what are your must-have toys and items other than, of course, the food, dishes, and crate? Also, do you prefer the little cot you use over a doggy bed for in the house? So, like I said, there's a lot of puppy questions this time around. I think people are getting spring puppies. So, crate, leash, puppy collar, dog dishes are important. Proper play toys. We try and avoid squeaky toys because they can create naughty munching, chewing, rolling, hard retrieving hard. habits. So finding a non-squeaky toy is tough. Otherwise. Yep, yeah, otherwise you can get a squeaky toy, but just kill the squeaker. Get it out of there. Um, or make sure it doesn't squeak anymore. But rope toys are a good option. Just is
1: trying to patent a squeaker killer that you can It would
0: be a like be a great idea. Really great idea. Um, and then as your puppy gets a little bit older, um, you can get some more training tools, puppy bumpers, e-collars, things like that. A clicker would be a number one thing to have right away because like we've mentioned before starting clicker training right away is important to us. Um, and the little cot that we use over a dog bed, the reason that we use those and they're called Coranda dog beds is because they create a distinct boundary between being on a bed and being off the bed. Um, those. Pillows. Pillow style doggy beds. It's really easy for a puppy to be napping and then they're off the bed and then they're like, oh, I'm not on the bed anymore. I'm free. So that would be something that we would also recommend is a Karanda um, dog bed. They're very durable. We love them. Um, any other must have puppy items? I think I covered it. Yeah, puppies are pretty simple. You don't need a size appropriate crate.
1: Let's go with that.
0: Okay, size appropriate.
1: So don't in we've had very little luck with the the, your dog can grow with the crate or dividing it up. Just get a small one, then get a medium one, and you can unless you're trying to travel with them, buy the cheapo ones. I mean, traveling with the cheapo crates is not the safest thing in the whole world because they're cheapos. But um, get this gradually. And it depends on your dog. Some dogs are better. But get a size appropriate crate.
0: It'll help with poppy training. Yes. But I Thank think you, that's probably all the time we have for more questions. Right, no, one well, more. Okay. got okay, one more. One more.
1: Horse Swamp Labradors. It says After four fetch, my six month old lab is still having trouble with light mouthing, cigarring bumpers. Should I just go back to the table or for more work or will this work itself out? Dog has a lot of retrieving desire and is very excited about retrieving. Well, I know that labs as a whole mentally are treated, trying to, and develop differently than the way that we do short hairs, but I've worked with a lot of labs and I can tell you, um, I don't know of very many dogs that are going to be mentally stable enough to truly understand a full formal retrieving process at or before six months of age. So what I would do is put some emphasis on hold repping that would be it and then um, revisit when you hit that 8 to 12 month range with your dog the full process again start from square one and work through it because when you finish you shouldn't be having issues with light mouthing rolling or you know cigaring can happen on occasion um, but the light mouthing and rolling is not something that should happen but I think that you need to probably just wait a little bit longer for Um, The dog to become a little more mentally stable for training like
0: that. Because I honestly did the same thing, made the same mistake with my puppy, Nix. I started his formal retrieving work at, I think, five or six months old because I was like, he's ready. Um, That's the next step. He was mentally mature and he was a great little retriever. But I was like, well, that's the next step to make him a better retriever. And he loved to retrieve so much that I was barely able to utilize the table and the collar conditioning and things like that because he was just doing it or proof it. That's what I was going to say is because I didn't have an opportunity to really proof that he understood how to shut the collar off by doing what he'd already learned, which was to fetch. And so it was more of I was a I was a conditioning process, just a, almost a fun conditioning process. Um, and he came out of it doing. Which Isn't a bad thing. No, it isn't a bad thing. But there was definitely a time when he was a little bit older that I had to revisit my. A lot of it. Yeah, my proofing of the collar um, on the ground with some retrieving drills because it had just been a fun game for him at six months old that he did well and it was good to develop those good behaviors and continue molding them and conditioning them, but the collar wasn't proofed. And if you're having mouthing issues, cigarring issues, things like that, um, if the collar was truly proofed and your puppy had a complete understanding of the formal retrieving work, you wouldn't be able, you would be able to correct that with the collar. Um, but at six months old probably not quite there just like Nick's wasn't so great question great question alright guys
1: I think that's all we've got for this week thanks for tuning in and again thank you for all of your questions we appreciate everybody that subscribes y'all help make this channel possible Um, we look forward to what you have to ask next week